3: Terms and conditions apply.
5: Live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. As well, last batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Week 9 of the NFL schedule off and running. With the Buffalo Bills, despite the fact that they were 5-2, and two, playing against the Jets and getting their ass kicked. And yesterday, when I finished off the show, I was telling everybody out there, I don't believe in the Buffalo Bills. I don't believe in Tyrod Taylor. I don't think even if they make the playoffs that they're capable of making a run or even really winning a playoff game. And then what happens? The Bills go out and end up down 34-7 to against the woeful New York Jets. Nice win for the Jets, who are now 4-5. and five. Everybody was talking about before the season how they could be one of the worst teams to ever exist in the history of the NFL. And instead, they're nearly 500 as we come up on the final seven weeks of the season for the Jets. The Bills fall to 5-3, and three, finally catch up with the fact that they are having not a positive turnover day. They've been outgained yardage-wise much of this season. I think they will now fade into oblivion in many ways. The biggest news, even though there was an actual game going on, came out of Houston where the people in the city of Houston could not even enjoy a full day to celebrate their new World Series title without Deshaun Watson tearing his ACL in the other knee from the one that he already tore his ACL in in college. So he is now living with two torn ACLs. This one will end his season. And uh, according to Jeff Schwartz, who comes on regularly and talked to several people around uh, that situation, it was just him reading, uh, running a read option, totally non-contact of an issue of an injury. And so as a result, on the exact same day that the Indianapolis Colts continued the mysterious medical diagnoses and reporting, On Andrew Luck who will now miss the entire season initially it was just he was going to miss the preseason and it was just going to miss a few games well now he's out for the entire season also Deshaun Watson is out for the entire season Uh, Tom Savage back up and running now as the starter for the Houston Texans who sit at three and four and host the Indianapolis Colts this weekend in Houston Almost immediately, and we'll talk about this a little bit with my guy John Campbell at the bottom of the hour here from Odd Shark. almost immediately there is a substantial reaction in the overall odds market. The Houston Texans uh, were 13.5-point favorites, I believe, over the Indianapolis Colts. They dropped that six points, and so now they are favored six and a half points by around a touchdown in that game against the Colts. That's how much difference... Vegas attributes to Deshaun Watson and Tom Savage based on what they have seen of Deshaun Watson as a starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. Meanwhile, uh, I also, now that we are beginning the ninth week, put together a flowchart here of what the playoffs would look like because there's seven weeks uh, as, we, as we begin the ninth week of the NFL season. There are lots of obvious games to be played but we're also starting to get some semblance of an idea what the playoffs might look like. And to me, that's also a function of just pick who the quarterback is. And that will tell you who is likely to be able to advance in the NFL playoffs. So I thought maybe as a fun little exercise, we could start doing this weekly as uh, as we look at the playoffs. It's not too early, I don't think, to kind of start to think about who would be the overall number one seed, who's the two, who gets the buys, all those things. So uh, I I put this, uh, this flow chart together. I'm curious if you guys agree with me of who exactly is in the playoffs and what it should look like. But before we do that, I believe the guys were telling me that Richie Incognito went off on Thursday night football, and I think we have audio of that. The Bills will lose, and then Richie Incognito, one of their offensive linemen, is uh, teeing off on the idea that uh, that Thursday night football even exists guys do we have that audio
6: you know it's tough man these Thursday night games they suck they throw a, a wrench in our schedule it's uh, it's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous that uh, we have to do this um, as physical as this game is and as as much work and preparation that that goes into this to, to force us to play games on four- day weeks it's it's completely unfair and uh, and, you know, whatever, the league makes money off of it, and uh, that's all they care about anyway. So we, uh, we just keep trucking. I mean, we got a tough group of guys in this locker room, and uh, back to the drawing board, back to Buffalo, and uh, got the Saints.
5: What's interesting about this is I agree with him on some level here. I think that what the NFL should do is add a couple of extra bye weeks. To me, that's the easy solution here to make this make more sense is when you play on Thursday – you get a bye week the week before you play on Thursday. I think that would increase the overall quality of the game. I don't know why the NFL is so opposed to adding in extra bye weeks. It seems like the overall health of players would be helped substantially if there were a couple of extra bye weeks where guys could recover from the physical uh, ails that, uh, that come from playing a full season. So I don't know why, for instance, you couldn't get a bye week every five weeks, let's say. In a 16-week season, I don't know why you couldn't go five weeks, week off, five weeks, week off, You know, kind of set it up roughly so that would be the situation. And if you're going to play a Thursday night game, both teams are coming off of a bye week the week before the, uh, the Thursday night game. So they have extra time to get ready. And then if you play a Thursday night game, you would have extra days to get ready for your next Sunday game. It seems like that would be a no-brainer. I also don't understand – why the NFL wouldn't be happy to extend what is now a 17-week regular season and make it a 19- or a 20-week regular season. I, I don't think very many fans out there would be opposed to that. And, I, you know, you could lengthen the end of the season so that – and I've been making this argument for a while – so that the NFL season goes all the way until Super Bowl Sunday is always the Monday, the Sunday before the Monday holiday for President's Day. That's always seemed like a perfect, uh, to make perfect sense to me. So uh, a lot of you would get Super Bowl Monday off, and that kind of wraps the NFL even more in the national flag and everything else kind of associated with the branding there. That's my brilliant idea. I don't know why it's not discussed more for both the players and the owners. I think it would be beneficial. Uh, I think more bye weeks are always better. I think the players will have it healthier, and I think it would make the quality of play on Thursday night better. But maybe that's just pure insanity. I don't know. That's my idea anyway. Okay, this is what the NFL's playoff picture would look like right now. This is what it would look like in the AFC. Your one seed would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your two seed would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Your three would be the New England Patriots. So, Sorry, the Steelers and Kansas City. The Steelers and the Chiefs would have the bye week. So they would get to sit back and watch Wild Card Weekend happen. Then New England would host Jacksonville, and the Titans would host the Bills. That would be your six-team AFC playoffs. Now, the teams that are just kind of on the periphery and looking and hoping to be able to make it in, uh, Miami right now is a seven-seed, Baltimore's an eight-seed, and the Jets, even with the losing record, would be the nine-seed, the Houston Texans, and the Cincinnati uh, Bengals, and the Denver Broncos are all in the 12 slot with three and four records. Okay, that kind of puts it into perspective. In the AFC, if you remember last year, I told you all you needed to know was look at who the better quarterback was, and you could figure out who was going to win virtually every playoff game without even looking at the rest of the roster. So let's do the AFC first here. The Titans would host the Bills. Marcus Mariota, assuming he is healthy, is better than Tyrod Taylor. He would be playing at home. The Titans would win that game. New England is playing Jacksonville. Clearly, Tom Brady is better than Blake Bortles. New England would win that game. So you would have the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger hosting the Titans and Marcus Mariota. You would have the Kansas City Chiefs and Alex Smith hosting the Patriots and Tom Brady. So in the Steelers-Titans game, assuming he's healthy, I think Ben Roethlisberger is better than Marcus Mariota, even though certainly there is potentially a a passing of the guard there at some point in time. Mariota's only 24. Roethlisberger is whatever he is, 34, 35 years old, I think. Uh, So the Steelers would win that game, I believe, in Pittsburgh. Although we'll get an easy test on this game in about two weeks, a Thursday night football game, is the Steelers host the Titans. So we'll see... I believe that's two weeks from today or maybe three weeks from today or three weeks from yesterday. And then the Chiefs would be hosting the Patriots. Tom Brady is better than Alex Smith. Patriots would win. And then the Steelers would be hosting the Patriots in the AFC title game would be my prediction. And I think the Patriots would win that game. So that would be the AFC. I'll give you the NFC here in a sec. But as you start to look through this, starts to make total sense, right? All you got to know is know who the quarterback is. That would lead to a Steelers-Patriots-AFC title game with the Patriots advancing to win uh, to the Super Bowl as the AFC's representative. I'll do the NFC when we come back. We'll also get you ready with John Campbell at the bottom of the hour and let him tell you the overall impact of this awful Deshaun Watson injury as well as, uh, as, as finally... The Colts coming out and telling us that Andrew Luck is out for the season. We'll discuss all that and more. Thank you for spending this Friday with us here on OutKick, the coverage. Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Uh, wanted to break down uh, the NFC as well here. We're going to be joined by John Campbell momentarily from Shark. Set in the AFC right now, if you look at the playoff picture, we're going to end up with Steelers, Patriots. I think the Patriots go. Number one overall seed right now in the NFC would be the Eagles. Number two would be the Vikings. Both those teams would get bye weeks. And then your three seed would be the Saints. Your six would be the Panthers. I don't think there's anybody out there right now that would take anything other than Drew Brees and the Saints to win that game. Your four seed would be Seattle. Your five seed would be the Rams right now in the NFC. Certainly the way Seattle's playing with that brand-new left tackle to protect Russell Wilson even better. I think most people out there would say Seattle is better uh, at the quarterback position with Russell Wilson than the Rams are with Jared Goff. So your final four in the NFC would be Eagles and uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Vikings going up against the Saints. I think the Saints and Drew Brees would beat whatever the Vikings have at the quarterback position, so the Saints would advance. Sorry, Vikings fans, it would be a replay of the NFC title game a few years ago, except you'd be playing at home and lose. Uh, And then you'd have the Eagles going up against the Seahawks. I think right now the way Carson Wentz is winning, you would have the Eagles against the Saints. And right now Carson Wentz is playing like the best quarterback in the NFL. I think you'd end up with an Eagles-Patriots playoff, although certainly it would not shock me if the Saints won that game either. So you'd have Eagles-Patriots, and then uh, we'll see what happens with that one. If that's if you were looking at the playoffs right now, and in my opinion, just picking the best quarterback in every single game. I'll bring in Jason Martin in the meantime. Uh, Jason Martin, uh, what's shaking? What do you think about the breakdown there of the playoffs that I just did based on the quarterback's position?
6: I think that most of what you're saying is right. I do think that there is a little bit more to it in certain cases. One of the reasons that New England was able to do what they did last year is because they had one of the top defenses in the league. That hasn't necessarily proved true. Now, if the defense continues the trajectory we've seen over the past few weeks, then we're we're looking at a New England team that I could see being there. But I do think it could definitely come down to the two teams that you had in both conferences. Eagles-Seahawks would be quite a war because – I don't know. We're going to have to see exactly how this offensive line is able to protect Russell Wilson now that they have the new addition and see what, if anything, that changes. The offense seems to be coming around, although they were awfully lethargic to start the first part of the season. The Eagles getting Jay Ajayi and whatever they're going to do there, that is a big pickup for them. It's really intriguing as to what that's going to do to that offense. I would love to see that actually be the game that determined the Super Bowl I guess, participant from the NFC and in the AFC, I don't honestly know. Like I think the Chiefs could do it if their defense is able to stand up. I mean, Alex Smith is not turning the football over, and they have a tremendous rookie running back in Kareem Hunt doing a lot of good work and a ton of weapons for Alex Smith down the field if they want to utilize them. So I'm not totally sure on that one, but in general, your thesis has proved to be right over the last few years when it comes to the better quarterback being the team that advances once we get to the postseason.
5: And that really being the only thing you even need to break down. You don't even need to look at any other position on the field. Just look at the better quarterback, and whoever has the better quarterback is going to win. And that's why I haven't believed from the get-go in the Bills. I just don't believe in Tyrod Taylor. And people can say, oh, his stats were not bad in that game. All those things, that's perfectly fine. But when you're down 34-7 to the, uh, to the Jets, then it's hard to defend anything at all about the Bills' performance in that game. So to me, uh, the the Jets get a nice win to get to 4-5, and five, and the Bills fall to 5-4. and I want to go around the horn here with this, too. I, maybe I'm unique in this, but with all of the injuries that now happen in the NFL, I basically feel like every game is just... I I can't even hardly enjoy the game. Maybe that's because I'm a, a season ticket holder for the Tennessee Titans and because I know that Marcus Mariota has had significant injury issues in all three of his years. But the difference between Mariota being in for the offense and Matt Castle is like night and day. And that's pretty much true of every NFL team out there. The gap between your starter, if he's any good, and your backup is typically seismic. And so for Houston Texans fans out there, they got totally yanked around here because they went from, oh, crap, we don't have a quarterback with the start of the year and the way they played against Jacksonville to Deshaun Watson getting injected into the starting lineup and playing outstandingly well and not even being only in the running for rookie of the year, but being in the running for NFL MVP. And then he gets injured now with the ACL and now you're back to Tom Savage. And it's like the whole season doesn't matter. And I think that's certainly true for Colts fans. If you had told them before the season, hey, Andrew Luck's going to miss the whole year, Colts fans would have been like, okay, I mean, I don't have any interest in watching this year. You tell Packers fans, hey, Aaron Rodgers is injured, and they're going to say, okay, you are you know what, like, I don't really have much interest in watching this this year either. And all of these injuries adding up, I think at the quarterback position in particular, they're difficult to deal with. But I think certainly when you have superstars like J.J. Watt, like Odell Beckham Jr., that are out, Eric Berry, all different sorts of positions, it's hard to really even at times enjoy the NFL because it feels more like a game of attrition than it does anything else. With that in mind, is there any way that the Texans season is not over now that Deshaun Watson is gone? I'm convinced that their season is basically done and that the AFC South, assuming Mariota can stay somewhat healthy, will come down to the Titans against the Jags. And based on my position of just look at the overall quarterback talent, I think that Mariota against Blake Bortles, there's no doubt you have to take the Titans to win this division. And uh, right now, like I said, in the AFC, both the Titans and the Jags would be in the playoffs if it ended today. The Jags have a great defense. I've been talking for a while about the growth of Leonard Fournette but to me, they don't have a quarterback you can rely on. The Titans have already got a 20-point road win over the Jags. I think the AFC South probably comes down to the final week of the season when Jacksonville is playing in Nashville. There's probably still a chance that one team or the other, because I don't think either team is going to get really hot and be able to create that much distance between them where the final week of the season doesn't matter. But to me, that's the, uh, that's the breakdown now in the AFC South. Same day that Andrew Luck is ruled out for the season, Deshaun Watson tears his ACL. And by the way, I'm not that confident that Mariota is going to stay healthy the rest of the way, but as long as he is healthy and assuming he's coming back from that hamstring injury and better able to play, uh, then I think the Titans have a good chance to beat the Ravens. I think they have a good chance to beat the Bengals. And I think in two weeks, we're talking about the 6-3 and three Tennessee Titans going on the road against the 7-2 and two. Pittsburgh Steelers and what could be a playoff uh, preview. So, do you guys believe that Deshaun Watson's injury ends effectively the Texans' chances of making the playoffs? Now, you can make an argument on the counter side and say, look, last year we had, uh, if you're a Texans fan, last year we had, Bla- uh, we had uh, oh, freaking... Uh, 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 <laughs> Oswald. Yes, can't even remember his name. I've just re- totally eliminated that entire playoff game between... Osweiler and Connor Cook from basically my memory when the Texans hosted the Raiders and we had that awful matchup. Osweiler won a playoff game. Last year we had Osweiler. We still won the division. We weren't very good. Tom Savage can be as good as Brock Osweiler. Remember, Savage would have theoretically been starting that playoff game if he hadn't gotten a concussion and been knocked out with an injury for the end of the game, for the end of the, uh, for the end of the season and also for the playoffs. Yes, that may technically be true. I think your defense is not as good as it was last year. And I also think the Titans are going to be substantially better. And I think the Jags are substantially better than they were last year. So my argument is, yes, for sure, the Texan season is effectively over with the Deshaun Watson injury. Do you guys agree? Start with you, Jason Martin.
6: Absolutely. I don't think they have a winning record now by the end of the year. This is such a bad injury. And they've, they this team in particular has lost Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt, and Deshaun Watson. You just you can't overcome that. You lose your two biggest stars. You lose the new face of the franchise along with Watt. Watson, one of the most electrifying players to watch in the league. I think I was enjoying watching him play more than anybody else in the NFL. You talk about all these injuries that have happened across the league. Now, all of a sudden, there's not all that much that I feel must see. I had people writing me after I tweeted that yesterday. and like, hey, what about Le'Veon Bell and people like this? I'm not going out of my way to watch Le'Veon Bell run the football in Pittsburgh. Like, I need quarterbacks that can wing it down the field and make plays. That's why it's still fun to watch the Seahawks because of what Russell Wilson's been able to do even with a bad offensive line. So it intrigues you about what he's going to be able to do going forward. But you take Watson, off the Texans all of a sudden that's another must-see player that's gone out of this league and there is no way in my opinion that the Texans win eight games based on this this he was everything to them quite frankly on offense and now you know I feel bad for DeAndre Hopkins had to deal with Osweiler last year now he's got to deal with Tom Savage who has no confidence because he was completely taken apart by Watson once they put him into the game and I don't really think Tom Savage is all that good quite frankly
5: Yeah, and this also raises the issue of injuries as Deshaun Watson's kryptonite because I I can't think of a guy, Now, maybe the answer is yes, I can't think of a guy who's come back from two different torn ACLs and been a big-time playmaker at the quarterback position in the NFL, especially a guy like Watson who is mobile and owes a lot of his success to that. Now, he came back from the injury in college and was great, and this is a different ACL than the one he had already torn but uh, I'll let the guy, let the crew think about that. Can you think of a quarterback who's come back from two different torn ACLs and been great in the NFL? I I just can't. I mean, I can't remember a guy who's had both of those injuries happen. Hopefully he can come back from this, be healthy, uh, come back and be the same player that he was before the injury. Certainly, again, if you're looking on the positive side, he did it when he was with the Clemson Tigers, but this is a Really just awful timing, especially like as Jeff Schwartz has said, it was a totally non-contact injury. We're going to have John Campbell with us here momentarily at Odd Shark. We'll talk about the impact to the odds of both he and Andrew Luck being out for the season on the same day. But guys, do you believe the Texan season's effectively over?
7: It's going to be really tough for them to now do what they would have done with Watson at the helm. It all boils down to does Tom Savage have any magic in his arm? We've seen... Him show flashes, but he's been so inconsistent. He does have a talented wideout duo in DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller at his disposal. So it's not like he doesn't have some weapons there on offense, and they have a great running back too in Lamar Miller. So you would think that he could, you know, pull out some W's, but. Man, because of what, like uh, what J-Mart said, what has happened to their defense devastated by major injuries, they can't lean on their D the way they used to. So it just shows how valuable Deshaun Watson really was.
5: Uh, Justin Cooper, any doubt at all about that? Are we unanimous essentially in that we think the Texans season is effectively over?
4: Yeah, but I think those two guys covered the bases. If, if you know, Watt and Merciless were still there, you know, maybe they could they could sneak into the playoffs you know, on the strength of their defense, like last year, but that's not the case.
5: All right, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Eddie Garcia. Let's get an update in the world of sports. I'm when we come out of that update, we'll have John Campbell from Odd Shark to discuss the impact of the Texans losing Deshaun Watson and also now Andrew Luck being out for the year. What's up, my man, Eddie?
8: All right, Clay. Well, Thursday night football was an AFC East showdown as the Jets took on the Bills in the Meadowlands in New York. It's the 34-21 victory over Buffalo. Josh McCown. The quarterback for New York had a touchdown pass and a touchdown run. Matt Forte had two rushing touchdowns for the Jets as they win and improved to 4-5 on the season while Buffalo with that loss drops to 5-3. Talking about the uh, injury news in the NFL, Houston Texans star rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson done for the year, suffered a non-contact injury in practice and tore his ACL and the Colts have placed Andrew Luck, their quarterback, on injured reserve. He didn't take a snap all season and he's still dealing with issues involving his surgically repaired throwing shoulder, also 49 Wide receiver Pierre Garcon's done for the year because of a neck injury and clay one more note from baseball uh the world series champion Houston Astros is going to hold their victory parade today 2 p.m local time so it's it's a party in Houston meanwhile police confirmed the home of Dodgers outfielder Yasiel Puig was broken into during game seven of the world series the value of the stolen items were not released and no arrests have been made but uh at the, the tail of two uh, two cities there. The Astros are still celebrating. And for Yasiel Puig, he's trying to figure out who stole his stuff.
5: That's happened now, like, multiple times. Poor Puig. Uh, that uh, that sucks. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, let me tell you. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier John Campbell joins us now. He's at odd shark and go to odd shark for your odds and informational related needs. It is a gambling sports website where they analyze situations like these all day long. And I think a lot of people's immediate thought was, Oh man, what does this do to the Texans with Deshaun Watson out for the season? And John Campbell, the immediate answer is he's approaching a touchdown impact in terms of the line. Vegas has fallen in love with the difference he makes for the Texans.
9: Yeah, absolutely. It's, almost unbelievable uh where he is worth uh, six points to the line houston was a 13 point favorite against the colts this week and as soon as that news broke they moved down to a seven point favorite which is just amazing he's only had six starts he's played seven games and he's up there with the value of the tom brady's and aaron Rodgers. it's just unreal
5: It is unreal how quickly he's become uh, of substantial value, and now Tom Savage takes over. What has this looked like on the same day, by the way, that Andrew Luck has announced to be out for the entire season? So if you're following the AFC South race, there are two teams tied right now at the top, the Titans and the Jags. And uh, the Titans, uh, Marcus Mariota has missed one game had a sprained hamstring issue. Seems like he might be back healthy. We don't know for sure. The Jags and Blake Bortles, obviously, star-crossed tenure there. Expectation potentially that Bortles wasn't going to be the starting quarterback. They fought their way to a four and three starts of the season. What has this done to the futures lines in that division in terms of who people expect to win it?
9: Well, Houston moved. They opened as a sixty to one Super Bowl favorite. Then went to forty to one as Deshaun Watson started playing better. And they're back to 61. So uh, the, the Jags now, I didn't see the line, but the Jags now, uh, they, they were the favorites. And um, I, I would put them at minus money. I think I, I think they are the clear-cut favorite. I think the defense is, is just too good. And uh, Tennessee uh, has struggled in the red zone this year. So uh, so I think the Jags are the runaway favorite there now in, in that division.
5: I think you're crazy. I think the Titans are going to win this division uh, outright. Um, I, the Titans get back Corey Davis. They haven't had a downfield passing threat. He was the first overall wide receiver taken in this draft, and he also had some hamstring issues. He's only had a catch, I think. I think he had six catches in the opener against the Raiders. He's coming back this weekend against the Ravens. The Ravens have a lot of press man coverage. We'll see whether they can. That makes a difference to have a downfield passing threat with what is a a, a pretty run heavy offense. Otherwise, with Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray okay let's talk about the uh, the lineup in general in the NFL right now I ran through the playoff situation in the AFC and the NFC what's jumping out with you about week nine a lot of these games that are taking place and and in particular I want to start with this one Uh, Ezekiel Elliott the ongoing legal drama what's the impact for the Dallas Cowboys if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't play from an odds maker perspective
9: well, he he's worth he's worth about 3 to the line uh, which is a lot for for a running back uh especially these days running backs just don't have the same kind of value that that they used to and uh it, Cowboys are picked there now with with uh at home with the Chiefs and, and I think that's a real tough game. I'm leaning to the Chiefs in that one. Um but you don't you don't see running backs there's only a handful now that kind of have the same kind of impact that uh Ezekiel Elliott has. And uh, and he's worth yeah about a field goal. Uh, but I'm leaning to the Chiefs uh, with Cowboys without him.
5: A couple other interesting games that I, that I think uh, the Redskins going up against the Seahawks. I mean, this is kind of do or die for the Redskins. If they go to three and five, it's hard to th- see them climbing back out of that pile uh, of, uh, of of you know the deficit they would have created for themselves behind the Eagles. What do you see in Redskins Seahawks?
9: Well, I, I would love to take the points here, but, uh, but I'm leaning the Seahawks because the Skins have just been slaughtered by injuries. In particular, four of their five starting O-linemen are on the injury report and, and are questionable. So I, I, And then their second their secondary is decimated. I just think that's too much going on the road against the Seahawks. I think a uh, great pickup with Dwayne Brown for the Seahawks as well, so, so they're going to get better in the coming weeks here. But I, I'm laying the points in this one.
5: Big game in the NFC South. The Falcons and Matt Ryan go on the road against Cam Newton and the Panthers. Both of these teams have been very enigmatic so far this year. You don't know what you're gonna get week to week. The Falcons are four and three. The Panthers are five and three. And actually the Falcons are a road favorite over the Panthers. What do you see here?
9: Well, this Carolina defense has been so good. It's so good this year. Number five in scoring, They're third against the pass. And that's not good for a Falcons offense that that's taking a big step back here. But injuries again for Carolina could be a factor this week. Both their both their centers are banged up, um, and Atlanta's failed to cover four in a row. But I, I think Atlanta squeezes this one out just because of the injuries. But uh, but I really don't like them this year.
5: Let's go to college football uh, here quickly. There's a lot of big games as we come down the stretch of the Final Four in final four weeks in the regular season in college football. And in particular, I want to hit you with a couple of big games. Um, we have got Bedlam going on. Oklahoma against Oklahoma State, number five against number 11 in the playoff rankings. Uh, Oklahoma State a two-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you see here in the Battle of Oklahoma?
9: Well, I I think Oklahoma State's the better team here. Uh, Two very similar teams that have great offenses, but I just think Oklahoma State has the better defense, uh, in particular up front. Their, their, Their front seven is much better, and much better at stopping the run, but Baker Mayfield can scramble and, and hurt you and run for that first down uh, you know, when he's third and long. But I'm going with Oklahoma State. A long history here for Oklahoma State of blowing this game. They've lost 14 of the last 15 meetings uh, when both teams are ranked.
5: I am going to be on the over in this game. I'll give you my gambling picks in the final hour of the show. Virginia Tech, I feel like this is going to surprise some people, uh, is the favorite on the road against undefeated Miami. Miami has not been very good in the last four weeks against a mediocre competition. They've won all by eight or less. Do you like the Hokies to win this one on the road?
9: No, I don't, and this line surprised me a little bit. I, I'm I'm on Miami, and a lot of the early money came in on Miami as well, getting three at home. Uh, I, I think the Hokies are good. I, I still think they have a ways to go, though, and laying three on the road against a, a really physical Miami team is too much. So Miami's one of the plays I really like this week
5: couple of games I want to hit you with here as well to close out in college football. Clemson on the road at NC State. Uh, that game probably for the ACC Atlantic. And Clemson is about a nine-point favorite in that one. And then LSU on the road at Alabama. And Alabama is over a three-touchdown favorite. Any reason that right now two of the playoff four, Alabama and Clemson, should be nervous in these games?
9: Um, well, NC State has has been pretty good this year. They're a pretty good team. They're they're very physical on the lines as well. So so and and they gave Clemson a really hard time to th- to, to overtime last year. So uh, so Clemson should, should probably probably be a little nervous. But I am leading to the Clemson there. Alabama loves kicking the crap out of LSU even when LSU is good I think they've, they've covered six of the last eight meetings there and I just don't think LSU's quarterback play is good enough to keep up with Alabama so I don't I don't I think that line's justified I don't think Alabama has any reason to be nervous
5: outstanding stuff as always John Campbell anything else any do know as we go into a week of NFL and college football action
9: well Notre Dame that, that's an interesting one they're seven and one against. Spread. That's one game away from their best against the spread start. I think we're gonna see them overvalued. I think two touchdowns is a lot against a pretty good weight team this week.
5: Outstanding stuff, John Campbell. Go follow him on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. Good stuff, my man. Thanks, like. Final segment, hour one up next. You're never gonna believe what ESPN's doing. They're trying to stay out of politics. Guess what happened? Their talent jumped right into politics. You're gonna love this tweet, and also this new policy we'll discuss next on our kick the coverage. With TrueCar you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3 grand off MSRP whether you're looking for a new or used car visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience I said it would have been playing uh, chess not checkers after the injury with the Houston Texans remember last week I said Bob McNair was unfairly treated by the media because he said the inmates run the prison instead of the inmates run the asylum. Bob McNair is the Houston Texans owner, and their inability to understand idioms led to uh, somebody, uh, the entire team basically taking a knee before the game against the Seahawks. And honestly, that may have been the best game of the year in the NFL between Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson until Bill O'Brien decided to run the ball three straight times into the center of the line instead of letting Deshaun Watson win that game. Well, now with Deshaun Watson out, my immediate thought was, you know what? This guy, Bob McNair, could go from racist pariah to NAACP Man of the Year if he signed Colin Kaepernick. Would have been an unbelievable move by him to just pull a complete left turn and then all of a sudden the same people who were ripping him for saying inmates run the prison would have been out there saying he was deserving of the Nobel Prize. He probably would have won the NAACP Man of the Year. Instead... He's gone, and he signed Matt McGloin. And Matt McGloin, of course, was the backup for the Raiders last year, previously played at Penn State uh, for Bill O'Brien, so they're somewhat familiar with him. So he now is the backup for Tom Savage, who has had his own injury issues. So there's probably a decent chance that he will get into the game uh, but, and into the season before long for the Texans, the way things are breaking down. But uh, what I think is uh, is fascinating about this is, Every time a play, a quarterback gets hurt, everybody says, oh, what about Colin Kaepernick? And then eventually it devolves into political discussion because Colin Kaepernick has become so highly politicized that if you mention his name within a tweet or two on social media, it immediately moves from his quarterback play, if it even takes a tweet or two, to the larger political uh, status of his statement about the national anthem, of his protest, and then shortly thereafter, everything turns into Donald Trump. In fact... You really can't even go on social media these days and say anything without Donald Trump being mentioned within, like, five tweets. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Like, I've been obsessed. Have you guys seen this story about them finding a new chamber, potentially, in the uh, in the biggest pyramid in Egypt? I mean, it's an unbelievable story. They, they think they have found a new undiscovered chamber. I'm not making this up. In a basically 5,000-year-old pyramid Uh, The Great Pyramid of Giza, I would love to go down and see the pyramids at some point until they get torn down because they were built with slave labor. That's what we do now, right? Uh, Anything involving slaves, we go ahead and we have to tear it down. Uh, But until it gets torn down because it was built with slave labor, I can't wait to see these pyramids. And they found a brand-new room in them. And so I'm tweeting about this brand-new room and, and how excited I am. And I go on Twitter and I put a link and I'm like, man, this is a fascinating story. Within three or four tweets, somebody's talking about Donald Trump. And so, as a result of everybody going crazy on social media and Jamel Hill coming out and calling the president uh, a white supremacist and everybody at po- political at MS ESPN, by the way, one bit of news as Fox Sports Radio continues to kick the crap out of ESPN, Bamani Jones is losing his radio show because we've been adding so many affiliates and they've been losing so many. Bamani Jones has the least successful national radio show in the history of radio. He's lost 90 affiliates. That's almost impossible to do, and they can't sell any ads for it. And so, as a result, Fox Sports Radio just continues to kick ESPN's ass, and they're pulling Bamani Jones's radio show off the network. And one reason that they're doing that is because ESPN's gone so political, and they have this new policy in place. Um, and what's amazing about it. Is that this new policy basically at MSESPN says that their talent can no longer mention uh, politics at all, and that just came out today. Uh, sorry, yesterday, yesterday afternoon. And then this uh, this Sarah Spain, who has me blocked on Twitter, I can't even see it, but she immediately takes a shot at Donald Trump that has nothing at all to do with politics. Jason Martin, do you have that tweet in front of you? Yeah, I do. What is why well, I don't? I can't see it. So what does she say? like well, basically Donald retweets. Trump got his account suspended for 11 minutes by a uh, a Twitter user right and then she said hero right
6: yeah that was all she said she retweeted twitter government that we're basically talking about him being deactivated due to human error account down for 11 minutes it's been restored they're continuing to investigate and then they say through our investigation we've learned this was done by a twitter customer support employee who did this on the employee's last day we're still conducting a full internal review And she just, quote, tweets the last thing that I just read to you and just writes Hero. That was her tweet.
5: So she's already violated the policy. So ESPN says, hey, guys, just stay out of politics. We're a sports network. If there's no politics involved at all, then don't get involved in anything having to do with Donald Trump or anybody else on your private social media accounts because that reflects upon ESPN. And then literally this queen of the SGWs out there uh, this uh, this this chick decides that she's got to insult Donald Trump. It's unbelievable. ESPN has got such a absurdly bad problem going on right now with their decision to turn everything into a story about Donald Trump and turn non-sports stories political. And they come out with this new policy, and they're like, guys, we got it solved. We got it fixed. We're not going to have issues with this anymore. And then, bang, Sarah Spain who doesn't have any impact and doesn't move the needle and doesn't have any significant gain at all for ESPN by employing her goes out and just alienates half the American public immediately with her stupid tweet. God bless MS ESPN. They're making me so much money with their stupidity. God. Sometimes I think, man, how are they so dumb? And then I think, well, I hope they stay so dumb. And they are and they will. And thank you for all of you who've moved over from Mike and Mike to listen to us. ESPN Radio is dead. Fox Sports Radio We ain't even the new king because they're not even in the court. We've destroyed them. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Up next, Hour 2, we're going to talk with Lance Taylor about the NFL and college football. That's coming up next here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. If you're starting off your day, the bills ain't for real. In case you actually believed they were for real, I'm sorry, upstate New York, western New York, Wherever you are in Bills Nation, the Jets get to 4-5, and five, whip the Bills, get up 34-7, absolutely dominate them. Uh, the Bills would still be in the playoffs right now, which I think speaks to how weak the AFC playoff picture is. They'd be in as the five seed right now. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the playoff situation and college football uh, as well with my guy Lance Taylor coming up uh, in about 10 minutes here uh, on uh, Outkick the coverage. But as I look at the, uh, and we're going to give you the gambling picks in hour three. We'll talk with Lance Taylor. We got a lot to get to. But as I look at the college football slate tomorrow, we've talked about a decent amount about the NFL slate uh, with John Campbell. Um, I, I'm really, I think, if I had to pick one game to watch tomorrow for college football, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, I think has to be everybody's pick because of Bedlam. I'm on the over there. And so I think that's the game that everybody has to watch. But the one that I may be most intrigued by, because I know what's going to happen in that game. Both teams are going to score a lot of points. I think the last team to have the ball probably is going to win. Uh, I I think Oklahoma is going to win because I have more faith in Baker Mayfield than anybody else on uh, the field there. Having said that, it would not shock me if Oklahoma State wins, but it's basically a playoff elimination game. Whoever loses Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is out of the running, probably for the Big 12 title, although we'll wait and see but certainly out of the running for the national championship game I th- or the, the playoff. I think what's most interesting uh, on the slate in terms of a game that I have no idea what's going to happen in is Virginia Tech-Miami because I think Miami has snuck up on a lot of people. The Hurricanes, if they win this game, if Miami can win this game, they set up a great week of discussion because we'll have Catholics versus convicts part 15 or whatever it is with Notre Dame, who I think will still will win against Wake Forest this weekend, and we'll move to 8 and 1 going up against potentially 8 and 0 Miami. Even if Miami loses, it's still a big game, but if Miami wins, this is a massive game between Notre Dame and Miami. And what's fascinating about Miami is look, they're 7 and 0, but if you look at their last 4 games, they're very fortunate to have won them all. And let me just kind of run through. They beat Georgia Tech by 1 point. They beat Syracuse by 8. They beat Miami by five. I mean, sorry, they beat North Carolina by five, and they beat Florida State by four. All of those teams combined that I just ran through in their last four games are combined 11 and 20. So they have four straight weeks narrowly won ACC games by a touchdown and a two point conversion or less, eight points and less. They've won by five, by eight, by one, and by four in their last four. And so as a result, a lot of people, myself included, think Miami's a pretty decent team, but aren't really sold on them. And Justin Fuente and what he has done at Virginia Tech, the Hokies are 7-1, and one, and they're nearly a field goal favorite on the road against Miami. So this is kind of an interesting question because I don't think most people are paying attention to Virginia Tech and believing that the Hokies are really legitimately in any way a threat to contend for the playoff picture. If they could go on the road and beat Miami, Virginia Tech's remaining schedule is not that brutal. And certainly, look, if Miami can get past Virginia Tech, they've got that massive game against Notre Dame. I don't even know that they would have to win that one if they beat Virginia Tech. And then they finish with Virginia and Pitt, and they would be in the ACC title game, probably playing for a decent chance at a spot in the playoff. Now, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the playoff rankings that came out on Tuesday night because they came out on Tuesday night and that was also the night of Game 6. And then obviously we had Game 7 to talk about. You look at these playoff rankings. I think this year's college football playoff rankings have the potential to make an eight-game playoff a reality. And the reason why I think that's very possible is this is basically a worst-case scenario for the powers that be in college football. Because I think Alabama and Georgia are both going to get in. And if Alabama and Georgia both get in out of the SEC, then that is a first time that we've had two teams from the same conference get in. That's not ideal for the playoff because they want four different conferences to be represented in the four-team playoff. That's the ideal scenario. But even worse than two teams from the same conference getting in is Notre Dame would get in and then steal away another spot. So right now Notre Dame is third. If they finish 11-1, they're going to get in. And if Notre Dame is getting in at 11-1, there's no way you could leave out 12-1 and Georgia because Georgia beat Notre Dame on the road head-to-head. So that would, again, guarantee that, that Alabama would get in, that Georgia would get in, that Notre Dame would get in, and that leaves one spot. And right now, Clemson is in that spot, but if you're a Big Ten fan, Ohio State and Penn State are out of that mix, and if you are an Oklahoma fan, Oklahoma's out of that mix. So if you're watching all these games happen right now, by the way, the Pac-12 is in really rough shape because they don't even have a top-10 team, and really their only contender is Washington, who I don't think is going to win out. So I think the Pac-12 is basically nearly eliminated. Their only hope right now is Washington, and Washington has to go 12-1 and and have some things break in their favor. But this is setting up for a really kind of disastrous decision for the playoff committee because if they leave the Big Ten out and they leave the... Big 12 out, and the Pac-12 is not going to have a team that qualifies, there's going to be a lot of upset people across the nation because Big 12 and the Big 10 both have substantial fan bases. And what's crazy about that is it would effectively mean that that Ohio State-Oklahoma game didn't even matter. So I don't know what the full resolution of this situation is going to be in college football, but I do know that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State goes a long way towards giving us a resolution because if you're watching this and you are a fan, uh, even on the college football committee, or certainly if you're a Big Ten fan, you need Oklahoma State to win that game. If you are a Buckeye fan, you are not getting in the playoff unless Oklahoma also gets in or unless uh, that you finish 12 and one and you're not jumping Oklahoma. So the Big Ten's playoff hopes in many ways rely on Oklahoma losing. Because twelve and one Oklahoma is getting in before twelve and one Ohio State. That's a little bit of a yikes moment. You also need Clemson to lose this weekend against NC State because twelve and one Clemson's going to get in as well in front of the Big Ten and in front of the Big Twelve. We'll discuss all this and more with Lance Taylor up next as we come into the college football playoff weekend. I got two gambling picks for you on Friday night that I'll give you in the final segment of this show as well. And get ready for the final hour of the week. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage. Thank you for hanging with us here on a beautiful Friday in November. Up next, Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. I am Clay Travis, and this is Outkick the Coverage. Great news, quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Joined now by my guy Lance Taylor, at the Lance Taylor on Twitter, 94.5 Jocks down in Birmingham. LT, were you surprised that Georgia was the number one team in the college football playoff rankings?
10: I mean, a little bit. You know, we talked to you uh, a couple of days ago, and you thought Georgia would be number one, and my two co-hosts thought Georgia would be number one. I just thought Alabama's margin of victory over 33 points per game and based on name brand and that they'd been there before, I thought Alabama would be number one. But it seems like the committee wants to make a message or send a message and uh, be a little outlandish at times. So I guess I'm not overly shocked. I thought the four teams would be – who they were with Notre Dame and Clemson thrown in there, but I thought Alabama would be one and Clemson or uh, Georgia would be two. But we know this; it doesn't really matter because more than likely Alabama and Georgia will meet up December second in Atlanta, and uh, you know somebody will be one and somebody might might be done or might be three or four.
5: Do you think that if let's presume right now the top four in the college football playoff rankings, uh, Georgia one, Bama two, Notre Dame three, and then Clemson four. Let's presume that Clemson goes on and wins the ACC at twelve and one. Let's presume that Notre Dame finds a way to get to eleven and one, wins its last four. Let's presume that Alabama and Georgia both get to twelve and zero, and one of those teams wins the SEC title at thirteen and zero. The other one wins it at twelve and one. Are those the four teams that would make the playoff?
9: I think they
10: are. Um, obviously, we could have some controversy if. If Ohio State or Oklahoma wins out, but I think if these these four continue to win, um, obviously Georgia or Alabama would lose. But I don't know how you would. Let's just say that Alabama beats Georgia. How you put Notre Dame in over Georgia? I just don't think you can do it. And the committee, I mean Kirby Hokut said it. Look, uh, you know five through seven, we showed the head to head was was you know so important. So if if head to head is one of the criteria, there's no way Notre Dame's going to get in over Georgia if Georgia's only got one loss and that one loss is to Alabama.
5: And there's similarly no way I don't think that you could leave Notre Dame at 11-1 and out of the playoff because their 11-1 and resume would be so good. I mean, they'd probably be the second best behind Georgia, one loss team in the country.
10: Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, you know, this past weekend, what they did in the second half, of NC State, uh, you know, a lot of this is dependent upon what these teams do down the stretch. You know, if Stanford continues to win, that'll be a great win. Uh, if Miami's only got one loss and that one loss is to Notre Dame, I mean, there's there's a lot of, that would go into it. But I agree. I mean, looking at the schedule uh, before Notre Dame got to USC, we all said, look, if they're able to win out and beat these teams down the stretch, it's going to be hard to deny Notre Dame. So I do think they're going to be deserving if they do finish the deal. And I'm starting to think they will, Clay. I mean, I, I think Miami is uh, the worst by far undefeated team that is left. Um, and you know, I think Stanford's going to be a little tricky there at the end, but I think Notre Dame will stick the landing.
5: All right, what's the impact if that happened? If you ended up with two in the SEC, one as an independent in Notre Dame, and then an ACC team in Clemson, but you left out the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the Pac-12 from the playoff.
10: Well, I think the Pac-12 deserves
5: to be out. I mean,
10: you're only fighting shot
5: right now. If, if there is chaos, that would ensue up top would be Washington
10: if they went out. Um, but, you know, if you've got one lost Oklahoma Big 12 champion, one lost Ohio State Big Ten champion, those are big-time brands. Um, and then I think we start talking about, uh, you know, uh, expanding the playoff to maybe eight. Look, I mean, selfishly as a college football fan, you know, I'd love to see it. I, I assume you would love to see it. I, I think everybody could make more money. Um, but I-, I think this is the way we kind of force the hand.
5: Yeah, look, I mean, I-, I don't think there's any doubt at all about that um anything else that's jumping out at you from those standings or do you think effectively that's where we are like the the, the committee got it right Oklahoma what about Oklahoma versus Ohio State assess that if both of those teams end up 12 and one
10: well I think uh, another thing I think we talked about earlier this week I think you agree with me that Ohio State is the better team yes but it's hard to deny what Oklahoma did in Columbus look if those teams played again you know, I thought Ohio State, and, and, and again, maybe I'm just uh, a little bitter because I had Ohio State minus 7.5 this past weekend against Penn State. I thought they were a two-touchdown favorite better than, than Penn State just based on the way that game played out. Uh, Ohio State's playing great football right now. You know, they got up to the sluggish start this past weekend, but I think if they played Oklahoma right now, they win that game by 14 to 21 points. Uh, but can't deny what happened earlier this season. Um, so if I was a committee member, it would be really, really difficult Um But I do think Ohio State's the better team right
5: now. I I agree with you. I mean, but I think that gets into the most difficult aspect of the playoff in general, which is most deserving versus best. And sometimes those correspond. Like, for instance, I think the most deserving and best top three teams most people would agree with right now, regardless of order, Georgia, Alabama, and Notre Dame. Outside of that, I think that, uh, that there's a lot of debate about the fourth spot. All right, let's shift to the NFL here. For a minute. And I, I like to look at the playoff picture starting about halfway through the season, and that's where we are right now. And if the playoffs were taking place right now, eight of the top 12 teams that would be in the playoffs would not have been there last year. Now, there's still a lot of change that can come. Right now, the AFC playoff picture in the order kind of continues to get shifted around, but would be something like Pittsburgh, Kansas City, New England, the Titans, the Bills, and Jacksonville. Those would be the six that would be in the playoffs. On the NFC side, you'd have the Eagles, the Vikings, the Saints, uh, the the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Panthers. Of all those teams out there, there are eight teams that would be brand new in the playoffs, and obviously I can run through those. In particular, they're dominating in the NFC. But in the AFC, you'd have the Titans, you'd have the Bills, and you would have the Jags. Any of those three teams you think could be good enough to make a run to the Super Bowl? The other teams that I think people expected to be good in the AFC right now are the Steelers, the Chiefs, and obviously the Patriots?
10: Well, of the three that you asked, there's only one that's got a borderline, could possibly be an elite quarterback, and that's Marcus Mariota, Um, Blake Bortles. I mean, to to just imagine, look, and I know Jacksonville's been playing really, really good defense. They're well-coached. They can run the football as well as anyone right now. Um, But Bortles uh, making a Super Bowl run seems nearly impossible. I don't know how the Bills uh, have been winning, um, and I think that that will cease. Um, so, no, I really don't think any of those three could actually make a run right now. I mean, to look at each brand, brand names right now in the AFC, as you mentioned, New England, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, um, and I think ultimately it's going to be one of those teams.
5: All right, NFC. NFC is even wilder in terms of the teams that are right now in the mix to make the playoffs. This is If the season ended today, we would have the Eagles as the one seed, the Vikings as the two seed, the Saints who have won five in a row as the three, the Seahawks, who just made a big trade to add a left tackle to help protect Russell Wilson, the Rams, you're a Rams fan, and then the Carolina Panthers. Of those teams, I believe the only ones that were in the playoffs last year, am I correct in this, were the Seahawks the only team that was in the playoffs? The other five teams were not. Are you buying into these teams in the NFC right now, or are kind of the standbys going to come make a run late?
10: Yeah, well, I don't know if any standby is going to make a run. I'm buying the Eagles right now. Um, I, I just I, I don't know what's going on with the Saints because you mentioned they've won five consecutive games. I mean, they started out 0 2 and looked like they had no shot. It looked like uh, you know it was kind of inevitable that that sooner or later Sean Payton was probably going to be going in another direction and Drew Brees might be on his last leg and they've actually come out of nowhere. What was maybe deemed the most difficult division in football in the NFC South. You know, most people thought the Buccaneers, they were kind of that sexy pick to win nine or 10 games this year. And the Falcons were the Falcons and they've imploded. Um, So I'm waiting for something to happen with the saints, Uh, the Seahawks, the Dwayne Brown. um, I think that was a huge get. Uh, They, they still obviously are the class of the NFC West being able to beat Los Angeles in LA. Um, I'm, you know, obviously I'm a little pessimistic as a Rams fan. I've, haven't seen this before because they're typically uh one and six at this time, but I think they'll find a way to probably fall apart, maybe slide in with that wild card. But I think Philadelphia's the real deal. I do play before the season I thought they would win the NFC East. I didn't realize they would be as good as they are right now. The Carson Lynch has been unbelievable. Um in going out and uh, you know, getting another pickup and a JIA. Um I think the Eagles got better and, and the Eagles to me and I guess says the same thing as it the team to be right now.
5: All right, let's go to what I think is one of the most intriguing stories that's developing right now, and that is how many different coaches are going to get fired. And in particular, everybody in the SEC, it feels like, just about, is unhappy with their coaching situation, uh, especially if they're major programs. I think Kevin Sumlin is going to get fired now. I think there's a good chance Brett Bielema will. I think that certainly Butch Jones has basically already been fired. It's just a matter of when they're going to officially announce it. Obviously, Florida does not have a coach right now either. Uh, Of those four jobs, I want you to pretend with me we are – I like to pretend that we're athletic directors, right? We are in that position. We can hire anybody for those jobs. I'm also going to put Nebraska in as another big job that is going to open up. It's five major jobs in college football, probably five of the top 25 or top 30 jobs in all of college football, all opening around the same time. And there's still others that might, but I think those five will. Starting with Florida. You are athletic director at Florida. Who do you hire?
10: I think I'm going after Dan Mullen. Uh, Dan Mullen, you, you look at Mississippi State right now, they're sitting at six and two. Um, and look, and I know it's been a little inconsistent, but they don't have top-level talent. And I would love to see what Dan Mullen could do with elite talent. He's obviously been an offensive coordinator there before. You see his ability to develop quarterbacks with Dak Prescott and now Nick Fitzgerald. I would love to see Dan Mullen. I know there was uh, maybe a rocky breakup uh, between him and Jeremy Foley, but now that Scott Strickland is there, a guy that he's very familiar with, former AD at Mississippi State, I think that's the uh, the, the direction they need to go. And and what's crazy about that is you get other dominoes in conference, and I'm putting the over-under at six-and-a-half jobs uh, that will have new coaches in the SEC next year. he's
5: That is a big number, and partly that's because you think some guys may get hired who are already in decent shape in the SEC. Yeah, I think Uh, Dan Mullen
10: Mullen will finally make a move this year. I really do.
5: Yeah, uh, to me, I hire Chip Kelly. I go get Chip Kelly, and I make it happen. Uh, I think you look at the history of the Florida Gator program. Steve Spurrier comes in, fun and gun, revolutionizes things, wins a national championship. Same thing is true of Urban Meyer with the spread. I think the way that Chip Kelly coaches the athletes that he'd be able to get at Florida compared to what he was able to get at Oregon, I think it would be a tremendously fun fit for the culture of the Florida Gators. And so I love that. uh, I, I love that hire. So that's the decision that I would make there. What about Tennessee?
10: Uh, Tennessee, I, you know, the, the problem Tennessee's got right now for me, Clay, and you know, this, um, is Florida's a much better job. So you, you've got maybe competing from the same pool. Um, I know you believe John Gruden is possibility. I think there is zero chance. (laughs) Um, I mean, the guy is making way too much money. I think ultimately, he wants to come back to coaching. Um, I think he is an NFL guy. Um, you know, with Tennessee, would they go back to a, a group or a group five guy? You know, is Mike Norvell out of Memphis? Is that a possibility? Um, I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting for Tennessee. A guy like Matt Campbell, um, as a Tennessee fan, would you be excited about going and getting Iowa State's coach?
5: Not really. I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to be John Gruden. So let's move on. So who would you oh, get?
10: Oh, <laughs> uh, Well, I mean, if they could get John Gruden, God bless you. It's just, it's not going to happen.
5: All right. So I mean, why, going... why, would
10: he, why would he leave Monday Night Football to take the Tennessee job?
5: Because, one, ESPN's going to lose Monday Night Football, and they may be coming to him telling him that they need him to take a pay cut because ESPN is hemorrhaging cash and the business is collapsing. Yeah, so, but I got
10: you that. But even if they lose it, why, why wouldn't he just break contract and go to another network?
5: I think maybe you get tired of calling games. I mean, there's only been one guy ever who has been, won a Super Bowl and then never really coached again and stuck in TV, and it's John Madden. John Madden, so, yeah. So maybe, maybe John Gruden is going to be this generation's John Madden I tend to think that coaches want to coach, and he's 54 now. His wife is a former University of Tennessee cheerleader. His wife's family all lives in East Tennessee. His son is a student at the University of Tennessee, so obviously that's a place that has a a pretty decent familial connection to him right now, and they're going to pay him gobs of money. And what I've been making the argument is, you know this, you don't become a legend in the NFL. There are old legendary coaches, but they don't happen very often anymore. Bill Belichick is a legend. Vince Lombardi's a legend. Don Shula. Uh, you run through the list. There aren't very many legendary coaches in the NFL. College football is where you go to get a statue and become a legend. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer. Jim Harbaugh is a freaking legend, and he hasn't even done better than finished third in the Big Ten East right now. That's where the coach matters. In the NFL, the quarterback does. I think Gruden's got a big ego, and I think he knows, look, I could become the fourth coach to win a national title and a Super Bowl. He could join Jimmy Johnson. He could join uh, He could join Pete Carroll, and he could join uh, uh, Barry Switzer. That's a pretty elite group to be able to join. He won a, he won a Super Bowl with the Bucs, and do people even care about him now in Tampa Bay? If he won a national title at Tennessee, he would be a legend long after he's gone. And so, to me, that's a uh, that's a decision that has to be made.
10: Okay, well, I don't think he'd win a national championship there. Um, I, I think he's lacking one thing called patience. I can't imagine him out recruiting 17- and 18-year-olds or dealing with a 19-year-old quarterback. And another thing you got to look at, I think Auburn's going to end up opening up because I think they lose to Georgia and Alabama. And you've got A&M, Florida, and Auburn that are all open. Those are better jobs than Tennessee and the SEC.
5: I don't think Auburn is, but I do agree that A&M and Florida are. Okay, so who would you get at A&M?
10: Uh, Chip Kelly, because I, I put a wager on this uh, before the season started, and I thought that uh, Texas A&M would go that direction. I know there's like no connection, um, and we'll see what Chad Morris at uh, SMU does. How they If, they, if they're if they able to stick the landing, I think A&M's going to be really interested in Chad Morris, just his connection to the Texas high schools and uh, his ability to recruit. So I think that's the direction they will go, but I would go Chip Kelly.
5: I'm going to give you a wild card here, Justin Fuente. I think that uh, A&M could really – go out and decide we're going to have to spend a lot of money. I think Sumlin's been pretty good at A&M. So I think they're going to need to go out and get a blockbuster guy. I'm not sure Chad Morris is the guy. Not to say that he's not going to be successful, just that I'm not sure that's who you sell people to. We're going to pay 10 million dollars to Kevin Sumlin within a short amount of time and we're going to go hire a guy like that. Not sure. Uh, that, that, would, uh, that that would make sense. All right, what no, about? I, when
10: I agree with you real quick, I've just heard uh, internally there's some people that want Chad Morris. There. Yeah. I think Fuente will be a much better fit. And Fuente ultimately is going to want to get out of Blacksburg. I mean, look, yes. that's Frank Beamer School. And he's done a really good job there. He's going to win 10 games in back-to-back years. So if he gets an opportunity, I think he'll bolt.
5: Arkansas, I go and hire. if I'm Arkansas. I can see like them competing with Nebraska over Matt Campbell. The geography's not that much different. You've won at Iowa State. It's not great and easy to bring big players there. I think Arkansas has the same kind of problem. I think Nebraska does too. I see both of those schools competing to try to sign Matt Campbell.
9: Okay, so I
10: would ask you this, though. Would Arkansas, with the buyout, they're going to pay Bielema? And look, I know the SEC's got a ton of money, and Arkansas's got a lot of money. Would they pay the 92 uh, buyout that i just read that matt campbell's
5: got yeah i it's it's a great question and by the way how in the world did matt campbell agree to a 9.2 million dollar buyout at iowa state Hey, hey
10: how about this one of he doesn't
5: have an agent <laughs> i mean the answer is because he's a bad negotiator on his own uh front yeah, i mean i can't he's, believe he's that.
10: not represented i mean how many coaches uh you know power five coaches aren't represented by someone
5: I bet he's going to be represented in this next uh, this next uh, round of negotiations because otherwise he's just got random athletic directors calling his cell phone saying, hey, would you be interested in being our coach? It's one yeah. thing when you're when you're at Iowa State and maybe nobody even knows who you are. And I'll be honest, I didn't know much about Matt Campbell at all before this season started and they pull off the big win over Oklahoma and TCU. And then, like, it's not that big of a deal. It's like when Derek Dooley was the head coach of Louisiana Tech, he was also the AD and he used to just answer his own phone. You know, anytime somebody would be calling with questions about issues at Louisiana Tech, uh, that's kind of funny in and of his own in and of itself. But once you become kind of an upper echelon coach, you can't have your cell phone, you pick it up, and it's like, uh, you know, the athletic director at Tennessee or Florida or Auburn or A&M or Arkansas or Nebraska, and they're trying to hire you away, and you're talking directly to them. I mean, how in the world do you negotiate that?
10: Well, and I don't think Jimmy Sexton knows who Matt Campbell is. Now, if they're able to go into Morgantown and go to 7-2, and two, um, then maybe he gets more and more on that radar. Um, but I'm not going to be surprised at all if he makes that call. And uh, I know you're asking about Nebraska. If I'm Nebraska, Bill moves, I mean, obviously, comes from Washington State. Why wouldn't you go after your your former coach,
5: yeah. Mike Leach? I love that idea. I think Mike Leach in Nebraska would be fantastic. All right, we kind of ran through all of those. Uh, LT, I appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for hanging with us.
2: Yeah, have a good weekend,
5: Corey. Will do. Up next, boys and girls, it's the Animal Thunderdome. But first, let's bring in my guy Eddie Garcia and find out what's happening in the world of sports.
8: Well, in the NFL on Thursday Night Football, it was an AFC East battle as the Jets beat the Bills 34-21. to Josh McCown, quarterback for New York, had a touchdown run and a touchdown pass. And running back Matt Forte, Matt Forte had two rushing touchdowns as well. New York, with that win, improves to 4-5 and on the season. Buffalo drops to 5-3. and three. Some big injury news in the NFL, none bigger than Houston Texans. Star rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson being lost for the season. Non-contact injury in practice. He suffers a torn ACL. And again, his season is over. And the Colts have shut down quarterback Andrew Luck. He did not take a single snap this year. He's been put on injured reserve as he's still having issues with his surgically repaired throwing shoulder. Pierre Garçon, wide receiver of the 49 ers is done for the year with a neck injury. This report's brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And, Clay, real quick, in the NBA, just two games last night, Warriors go into San Antonio, knock off the Spurs 112-92, and Damian Lillard hit a three-pointer at the buzzer giving the Trailblazers a 113-110 win over the Lakers.
5: Good deal. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Kind of intrigued by this. Um, the Wall Street Journal has an article up today where it discusses why NFL ratings are down. For a long time, remember last year, the discussion was, oh, it's because of the election. It's because Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are going head-to-head, and a lot of people are pivoting and paying a lot of attention to the NFL. Well, the NFL ratings are down substantially again this year, and the Wall Street Journal is kind of trying to figure out why, and I just tweeted out a graphic from this morning's newspaper. I'm one of the old-school peak Crew who still gets – I get the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times delivered to my house every day and read the actual physical newspaper, and this is pretty wild. Uh, NBC Sunday night football games – in 2016, were down nearly 20%. This year, they're down 5%. CBS Sunday afternoon games were down about 7 or 8% last year. This year, they're down over 10%. Fox Sunday afternoon were down about 5% last year, and they're down about 6% this year. Thursday night football was down over 15% last year. It's down about 5% this year. So they're building off of each other off of the collapses. And uh, overall, ESPN Monday Night Football was down 20% last year. This year, the ratings are actually up because they gave them a Cowboys game, I think is the reason why ratings are up for Monday Night Football, but they were down 20% last year. You add all this up, and since 2015, the final season before the protests started, ratings are down nearly 20%. That's a precipitous decline. Why is that? Is that because Netflix continues to rise, Hulu, Amazon Prime? Is it because people are turned off by the NFL protesters, multimillion-dollar athletes not standing for the national anthem? Is it because the quality of the gameplay has declined substantially? This is something we've been talking about for a while, but I think now that we're a year and a half into it, it's a pretty clear indication that the ratings are down. For a long time, there was a debate over, oh, are the ratings actually down? Now there's no debate. The ratings are down nearly 20% off two years ago. Why are the ratings down? I think it's a fascinating question. 877-996-6369. Going to open up the phone lines and let you guys weigh in. Why do you think the ratings for down for the NFL and down so precipitously? Is it Peyton Manning retiring? This is something a lot of people tweet me about. They say, look, Peyton Manning was the most popular player in the NFL, and just like when Michael Jordan left the NBA, there were a lot of people who tuned out of the NBA. Is there a Peyton Manning effect? I'm genuinely curious. Why are people watching less of the NFL? We've put up a poll question on this before, but I want to hear from you guys. 877-996-6369. We'll take your calls. Close off uh, hour number two. We're also going to touch base with my girl, Hannah Yates, who is down at the Georgia-South Carolina game for OutKick this weekend. We're doing a tailgate tour with OutKick and the Home Loan Expert. We're doing some cool stuff down there. She's going to weigh in from Athens and let us know what she anticipates as Georgia gets ready for South Carolina. All that and more final segment of the hour. In Hour 3, we'll touch base with KC Smith up in uh, Boston, and I will give you all my gambling picks. i got 11 winners for you in fact, I'll go ahead and give you two of them right now in the final segment of our 3, Friday Night Football. I got picks for Friday Night Football to get you rich. I'm Clay Travis. Thanks for hanging with us on a great Friday in November. This is OutKick, the coverage. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Interesting quotes. In this Wall Street Journal article that I'm going to have you guys react to, the Wall Street Journal doing a deep dive on why NFL ratings are down. If you follow me on Twitter, you can see that I just tweeted out one of the graphics from that article, which deals with why ratings are down for both 2016 and 2017. 877-996-6369. I'm going to take your calls. Uh, Interestingly enough, one of the things that many of the executives blame is Thursday night football, which happened last night, obviously with the Jets beating the Bills. Something that has not collapsed has been college football ratings, at least not so far. And Hannah Yates is doing a cool uh, tailgate tour for OutKick. You can see the videos that she produces up on OutKick.com every week. And this weekend, she and her crew – are down uh, in Athens with the home loan expert Hannah what are you looking forward to about being down in Athens for uh, the game against South Carolina
0: well I've been to Sanford Stadium before to watch Mizzou play there while I was a student in Columbia but Georgia wasn't playing remotely as well as they are now so I feel like these fans are on top of the world with the season's performance and I can't wait to capture that atmosphere
5: if you haven't ever been to Athens, you said you've been. I think it's one of the best places in America to go watch a college football game. Athens, Georgia is just a, a jewel of college towns across this uh, this country. And uh, when you went down there, what did you think the first time that you went and got to sit in Sanford Stadium and watch a game? Did you find it as cool as I do?
0: Oh, I loved it. I think just the game between the hedges, it's fantastic. The The setup that they have there, plus the campus and everything that they set up around the campus leading into the game their campus is just so beautiful compared to some of the other SEC campuses that I've seen and the stadium alone is just it's fantastic I loved it there
5: Georgia is now the number one team in the college football playoff according to the ratings uh, that came out from the committee on Tuesday they are playing against a surprising South Carolina team that's six and two do you expect a close game or a blowout
0: I don't expect it to be super close I hope it's not a blowout I mean the way they have it predicted it's going to be a pretty big difference but I mean Georgia's Georgia this season they're undefeated they're averaging 42 points per game since that one point escape at Notre Dame Um, but I don't know South Carolina it's not like they're an awful team you know they're second in the east but um, I think Georgia's going to have a solid chance of kind of tearing them apart a little bit
5: tell people what you're doing without kick this fall and uh, what your schedule kind of is the next few weeks
0: So basically, we are going to head down um, this weekend, and you guys can reach out to us that way, and we can come and kind of check out some of these tailgates and really just capture the culture of this school. We'll also be covering South Carolina this weekend since we can't make it to their home turf this season. Uh, Next weekend, we'll be headed to the Grove at Ole Miss, which I'm super excited about because I've never been there, so only heard stories. And then our last weekend, we are ending at uh, Vanderbilt in Nashville, so your home turf uh there where you're located now and we're just excited about it we've already knocked out 10 schools and looking forward to the rest
5: uh hannah yates you can follow her on twitter at hannah ray yates you can also find her if you just go to my twitter feed and scroll down a little bit if you guys want to give her tips if you're going to be in the grove if you're going to be in nashville or if you're going to be in athens and you want the outkick crew to swing by and say hi to you you can do that thanks hannah
0: thanks clay appreciate it
5: That's Hannah Ray Yates. Hannah Yates is going to be on the road with us. They've been doing a good job with the tailgate tour for OutKick and the Home Loan Expert. You can go watch all those videos that are up on OutKick.com. All right, circling back around now. Like I said, college football ratings have not been bad, but the NFL ratings have been tanking. And one of the interesting things is the executives in this article in the Wall Street Journal in particular, they they are citing the fact that there are too many games that these Thursday night NFL games are starting to cannibalize the overall audience. Now, uh, that is intriguing in and of itself because I do feel that a little bit myself because the games start on Thursday. Then you've got Friday college football games, Saturday all-day college football. Then you've got Sunday all-day NFL. Then you come back with Monday night football. There are five straight days of football. And so by Tuesday, I'm like, man, I'm glad to have a break. And you only have two days. And really, I'm not counting the Mac, but the Mac will play on any day of the week. But you only have two days of the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, where you don't play football games. And so I'm curious for you guys, it's now an unquestioned answer that people are watching less of the NFL. Why are you not watching? We opened up the phone lines. Who should we go to first, Jason Martin?
6: Let's go to Cincinnati and talk to Mike.
5: Mike in Cincinnati, uh, are you watching less? And if so, why?
2: Yes. Uh, microcosm the last weekend. We had uh, Notre Dame and North Carolina State, and we had uh, Ohio State and Penn State on Saturday night. Super exciting game. Then I had the worst football imaginable with Cincinnati and Indianapolis in the rain on Sunday. Yes. I can't watch the product, and not only that, I have joined the bandwagon of people protesting, people like Michael Bennett Kaepernick. I don't care about their social views, and these idiots seem to be inclined to tell us more about them. When they ask about my views, then they can tell me about theirs. Otherwise, the product is unwatchable, and it all looks the same. There's no team that looks different than another. to speak of, and it's dreadful to watch after the excitement of college football.
5: Yeah, you're with me. I, I agree with you, Mike. The college football product, just on the field, let's leave aside the player personal beliefs. The college football product is more entertaining. Do you agree with me on that?
2: 100%. The entire thing is. And the pageantry of it is fun. The rivalries are fun. I mean, they're intersectional things. The teams travel better. I mean, look at the Georgia Notre Dame game. I'm a Notre Dame alum, but look how many of those people came and what a great time they had. And you're talking about all these SEC schools. I, I would love to go to an SEC game sometime just because it's a fun environment. There's nothing fun about Paul Brown Stadium or going to Indy to watch a crummy team. There's so many bad teams in the NFL that aren't worth the ticket prices and, you know, $100 parking fees in LA. You've got to be kidding.
5: No, it's a great call. Look, I watched the uh, the Seahawks and the Texans game, and it was a great game. And why was it so good? Because it felt like a college game. Frankly, the college product is a lot better in terms of enjoyment, I think, right now than the NFL product is. Uh, Nate in Dayton. What's up, Nate? Hey,
2: Clay. How you doing, man? Uh, I really liked you on uh, the Reuben Report last week. That was very nice.
5: I uh, appreciate um, that. That was a good trip. But-
2: yeah man uh i think it's the overall product um much like you i don't the protests don't bother me i don't really go to athletes for my moral compass um but i just you know you don't know what a catch is there's too many penalties too many commercial breaks and it's just
11: it's just a weird product now
5: yeah i appreciate the call i mean look i mean there's a lot of bad quarterbacking and, and i think that's made the nfl product often unwatchable and obviously injuries to guys like aaron Rodgers and deshaun watson aren't helping that alex in north carolina what's up alex
9: good morning thanks for having me clay i would say that one confounding variable that's not being considered is that there's a little bit of public disgust about just the nature of football in general so i think not for the fairweather fan for the devoted fan the flag issue is polarizing and you may get less or more viewership but i think for the fairweather fan or just the average um, not devoted fan there's some decline in interest in football in general and maybe a little bit of disgust at the rate of injury. In the recent report about, I think it was 98 or 99% of the brains studied uh, of passed away NFL players had symptoms of um, traumatic brain injury or I guess uh,
6: whatever. Yeah, no, CTE.
5: Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate the call. Look, mm-hmm. I, 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 go ahead and load up these phone lines. I'm going to take one more call. But actually, you know what? we got a hard out, so I'm going to say this instead. I will say, if I owned an NFL team right now, I would sell. And the reason why I would sell is because of the call we just got. I think that there is a long-range trajectory that is very negative for football. And there are so many people in this country who believe that because something always has been in their lives, it's going to continue forever. But I love to point this out. If I'd been doing Sports Talk Radio in the 1950s, I would have come on and said, the three biggest sports in America today – are baseball, horse racing, and boxing, and they'll always be the three biggest sports in America. Well, other than a triple crown race, maybe some drinking and some gambling, nobody pays attention to horse racing. Boxing has virtually vanished in this country unless you end up putting an MMA fighter in against an actual fighter. Baseball has also declined. Right now, the NFL sits at the top at the apex of American sports, but the idea that it's always going to be there is absurd. Don't believe me? Look at how quick creative destruction in this country is occurring. Go ask the guys at MySpace what they think about Facebook. Go ask the crew out there at ESPN what they think about their business collapsing. Things change in a hurry right now in America. This is Outkick the Coverage, final hour, next. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Last night, the Buffalo Bills not in the zone. New York Jets were in the zone. The Jets beat the Bills. Get up 34-7, hang on for a 34-21 to win. That uh, means that as we move into week nine, officially of the NFL season, our playoff picture has been set. Now, don't know what the ratings will be for last night's game, but simultaneously this morning, the Wall Street Journal has a big article about the collapse of NFL ratings, and they're down nearly 20% since 2015. What is the reason for the collapse of those ratings? I tweeted out a picture of the graphic, and we've had this discussion before about why are people watching so much less. It's honestly been a discussion that's been going on a little bit for the past year and a half. Because last year, for a long time, people said, oh, this has nothing to do with the protests. This has nothing to do with anything other than the actual uh, election and the fact that so many people in the fall were paying attention to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and as a result, they were watching less of the NFL. Well, those numbers have continued to decline this year. Uh, NBC down, CBS down, Fox down, Thursday Night Football down. The only national broadcast, the only NFL game ratings that are up are Monday Night Football, and really those are just up, my understanding is, because the Dallas Cowboys have been on Monday Night Football so far this year, and also I believe because one of the Monday Night Football games last year went head-to-head with the presidential debates, and so as a result, uh, the numbers were up substantially that week. If you take out that week, I think Monday Night Football is down as well. So uh, basically, the uh, NFL ratings picture is not positive at all open up the phone lines 877-996-6369 to talk about why that is Uh, my belief is that it's a congruence of many factors I don't think there's ever one reason why ratings are down I think the ratings are certainly down because of the protest and I think also the overall quality of NFL games has declined and I think that the overall product of live sports on television is is under siege by the way that people consume television now. And so you can sit around and just watch the highlights, which are up instantaneously on social media. You can watch a lot of things on Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or whatever other streaming device or just your DVR in a way that you couldn't before. I think there's also a saturation element to this. I think the single most important reason, in my opinion, people don't agree with me, but I think the single most important reason why ratings are down is because of the protest. I think that a lot of people are turned off because they see these multi-million dollar athletes and the NFL, which forever managed to avoid politicizing their sport, is now politicized. And I think people want to escape from politics, and so they're going to watch Stranger Things instead. Maybe they only watch their favorite team instead of watching all these other games. We just came off of Thursday Night Football. I don't think you can discount also the sheer magnitude of games, the the enormity of games that are on now. Thursday Night Football. Then you got Friday. I got a couple of games that I'm betting on Friday. Uh, I'm going to bet on FAU uh, to cover against Marshall, and I'm going to bet, this is early preview here, of the gambling picks. I've got 11 for you. And I am going to bet on Memphis to cover against Tulsa. But I'm going to pay attention to those games tomorrow, tonight uh, in a way that I wouldn't in years past. Saturday, college football all day. Every game you could possibly want, about 12 or 14 hours of college football game day. Sunday, games all day long, sometimes starting as early as insanely, insanely early with those London games. I woke up last weekend. And the game was already, like, uh, rolling. I couldn't believe it. Usually I'm up early in the morning. No way any sports are going on that are dealing with America. And uh, the the London game was already off and running. And then you got Monday night football. And a lot of times those Monday night football games are not very good. So I do think there is a glut of football out there. I'm going to poll the guys here, but I also want your feedback. 877-996-6369. You can only pick one. Why are ratings down? What's the most important factor in your mind, Jason Martin, of why ratings are down?
6: For me, or what do I think generally? I guess for ratings being down generally – I just I can't think that it's the protest is the number one reason. So I'm going to suggest it's just the fact that it's not been very entertaining to me. And I do think that that has to do with college football being so much more unpredictable because of its imperfections, that making it so much more fun. Plus, the caller that we got that talked about pageantry and passionate fan bases and rivalries and things like that, all of it has made college football, to me, the best sport to watch in America or in the world personally. So I yeah, think but it's I, that. But that. I think it's quality changed. of play.
5: That hasn't changed. And I don't, but it's the reason why I think it's the protest is I think it's the only thing that's changed. NFL quality of play has been declining for years. The quarterback play in this league has been declining for years, in my opinion. Uh, the overall depth of quarterback play has never been worse than it is right now. And frankly, I think it's going to get worse as we have to deal with the Tom Brady's, the Drew Breezes, the Matt Ryan's all of the – even the Aaron Rodgers is, frankly, of the world. Eli Manning, even though New York Giants fans might hate him. As those guys give up and retire, I think the next crop of young quarterbacks is not as good. Now, I know Carson Wentz has looked good. I know Dak has looked good. Uh, Mariota has has shown flashes. Uh, Winston has been not very good this year. I think the older quarterbacks are better than the younger quarterbacks. And so I think that that's a danger to the NFL in general. I said I would sell my stock – I mean, sell my team – if I had an NFL team, because I think the NFL has peaked. Because I think over the next 20 years, there's going to be fewer and fewer players and fewer and fewer good quarterbacks. And if you don't have good quarterbacks, this league is unwatchable. I don't think the quality of the defensive back play is going to change substantially over the next 20 years. I don't think the quality of linebackers or offensive alignment or anything else is going to decline precipitously. Those, Those positions are relatively fungible. It's hard to notice if somebody is the best linebacker or the worst linebacker in the league, and frankly, there isn't that much of a gap. The gap between the best quarterback and the worst quarterback in the league is like the difference between being a uh, being a, a freshman in college and being a, uh, a freshman in high school, or, or, or vice versa. I mean, there's years of difference, orders of magnitude. It's like playing high school versus playing in the pros. Uh, let's go to uh, L.A. What do you think? You can only pick one reason. Why have ratings collapsed the last two years?
7: Uh, If I had to make a guess, I would say it has a lot to do with how we're consuming the product now. Uh, If it's not my team, I'm watching the Red Zone channel, period.
5: Yeah, and I get that, but the Red Zone channel ratings are not that high. People always say, oh, I watch the Red Zone. But when you look at the number of people who are watching the Red Zone, I think that's skewed in the direction of people like us who are relatively young and are tech savvy. By and large, there aren't that many people watching the Red Zone channel. And certainly the Red Zone channel had existed more than two years ago, I believe, I'm pretty sure, because I've been watching it for years. So, again, to me, that's why it's an interesting theory, and I think certainly cord-cutting is impacting things. I think there are a lot of people out there who watch Netflix. We know because there are millions of people watching Stranger Things now, for instance. I think that certainly impacts it, especially in the younger crowd uh, that, that is active and using Netflix and everything else. Uh, what about you, Justin? What would you say?
4: I'm going to piggyback back on Danny and say that it, it's the the cord cutting and not just not just red zone, but you know even even illegal ways of streaming. I have a lot of friends that you know, I was like, oh, you know, how are you you watching the game? But they don't have Direct TV, so they're on you know uh, Reddit, some Reddit stream or, or watching it that way.
5: Yeah, look, so we've got basically three different theories, and I think they're three popular theories for why the ratings are tanking. You can check out my picture of the graphic. Big article in the Wall Street Journal. It quotes the president of NBC Sports, uh, president of, uh, I believe, CBS Sports, uh, as to why the ratings are actually down, as well as one of the Murdoch sons who is at the top of 21st Century Fox. And they all give different theories. I don't think anybody wants to acknowledge that the protest has negatively impacted the overall NFL brand, because I think they are leery of that story being told but to me, that's the number one reason because the ratings are down substantially in the last two years, and the only thing that I can find that has changed, really, I mean, if you had issues with quarterback play in the NFL, it's not like they were spectacular, the The quarterback play was, in 2015 or 2014, we've had the same issues for years. Uh, and I think cord cutting may be accelerating a little bit, but I'm not convinced that uh, that suddenly it's reared its ugly head, in 2016 and 2017, after not being a threat for years, remember there have been people going out to sports bars who don't count in the ratings for decades. The way the Nielsen ratings are are counted, if you're watching in a sports bar, you don't count uh, as a uh, as a Nielsen viewer. Um, and unless you're a Nielsen family, obviously you don't count anyway. But they've been complaining in the world of sports for for decades about the fact that you don't get the the audience that it actually watches in a sports bar counted among uh, among the group that is out there watching. Jason Martin, any calls worth going to?
6: Give me a second. I'm filling up the line, so we'll get to the next segment.
5: 877-996-6369. We're going to talk to Casey Smith at the bottom of the hour. I'll also give you uh, my gambling picks for college football in the final segment of the show. Let's go ahead and take a break here. We'll come back. We'll take your calls. We'll discuss this. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. Thanks for hanging with us here on OutKick, the coverage. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. As well, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car or visit, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Reacting to a big article in the Wall Street Journal this morning that will get much media attention uh, across the nation, and it's looking at why NFL ratings are down. I tweeted out a graphic ratings down substantially, nearly 20%. Uh, if you combine the declines in 2016 and 2017. Why is that? Open phone lines, 877-996-6369. We go first to, I believe, Bob in Pensacola, Florida. What's up, Bob?
1: Yes, thank you, Clay. So the reason, the real reason NFL ratings are down is because the actual average height of NFL players has decreased over the past five years from six foot two and a half to six foot one. And so because they're shorter and you've got all these Kids are shorter. They're actually harder to see on TV.
5: So you think ratings are down because players are shorter?
1: Correct. But ratings are down because players are actually shorter. It's a significant decrease.
5: It's the most remarkable call we may have ever gotten. Is that actually true? Are players shorter in the last five years? How would you even find that data?
1: I have an Excel spreadsheet of every NFL player in, in, in football right now on my computer.
5: And you've been comparing their heights for the last five years? <laughs> every single year. Why do you think players I'll are shorter now? i copy class. Yeah, you can email me a copy. i shorter. This. Why do you think they're shorter?
1: Because you've got all these slot receivers. like Players like Jamison Crowder should be banned from the NFL. You're 5'8", nothing. You shouldn't be playing at a game that's this physical.
5: Appreciate the call. Uh, I, I just, I don't even know if this is a real, like, the, 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 I, I don't even know. Real call? I have no idea. I'm actually kind of curious on if players are shorter now. What an unbelievable statistic that would be. Have players in the NFL shrunk by an inch and a half in the last five years? It's actually interesting data. I, I don't know. I mean, what it, 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 people are getting shorter? I have no idea. Justin and Dayton. What's up, Justin? Do you think players are shorter? Maybe that's the reason.
11: Morning, Clay. This uh, Myself, my cousin, four of my five uncles, and my wife's two uncles all joined in the military. Um, we were actually in all four branches.
9: Um, and
11: all of us have quit watching because of the protest. And a lot of my veteran friends, most of them have quit watching because of the protest. And then, yeah. you know, the few people that I've talked to um, – um, that that have actually say that the protest has nothing to do with the people not watching the NFL, never watch the NFL to begin with. They they're using it more as a political statement, saying it's fine for them to do that as a political statement, rather than saying I quit watching the NFL because of this or I continue to watch the NFL because of the protest.
6: And yeah. It, and, well, it, thanks the for. People...
5: The... Yeah, thanks for the service, Justin. And I, I do th- that. That's why I think the change is the protest, when I look for reasons why a something has changed forever, the NFL was on this upward trajectory, 2014, 2015, everything is getting better, and then suddenly things change in 2016. Now, the election factor into it, yes, the overall politicization of the country, maybe, but then they're also down in 2017. And I think it's got to be connected to the protest, because the protest is really the only thing that's changed. Red zone existed, bad quarterback play has existed, people have been complaining about the quality of NFL product for a while, not as many big hits, issues with concussions, all of those things happened and existed before the protest, and yet ratings continue to go up. Dave in St. Louis, what's up, Dave? I'm
10: to go back to quality of play. I mean, I look at my quarterbacks, three best quarterbacks in the league, or but Rodgers, Breeze, and, and Brady, and they're all 36 years old plus. I turned on the game last night, and it's Kyra Taylor versus Josh McCown. I mean, I watched regular season hockey last night as opposed to the NFL.
5: Yeah, look, I, I think if you don't have a top-12 quarterback in this league, then the quality of the game is just absolutely atrocious. There's no doubt. I mean, there is no doubt that that can impact. But I don't know that that suddenly has hit in 2016 and 2017. I've watched a lot of bad quarterbacks play. I've got season tickets. I watched Vince Young play. I watched Jake Locker play. I watched Billy Volek play. I mean, there have been a lot of bad quarterbacks that I've watched from my season ticket seats, and that's just using my own team as an example. Thank God I'm not a Browns fan. Uh, There's obviously been a lot of bad quarterbacks rotating through the league. Robert in Virginia. Robert, what's up?
9: Hey,
11: how's it going, Clay?
5: Uh, I'm looking at the dream.
11: I, I believe it i love it um i went to the uh martinsville race last week in virginia yeah and a lot of the people that i was talking to down there you know die hard football fans said they've been watching for 20 30 years sit there and said that they can't do it anymore because they're tired of you know people inflicting their views these players inflicting their views upon them you know that make no sense like uh Colin Kaepernick's whole thing with, you know, police brutality and stuff like that. They already knew that there were investigations into everything, but just didn't understand why they were protesting. They just think they were doing it for publicity. But that's really a lot of what I heard down there is They just couldn't stand it because, you know, they were inflicting their views upon us.
5: Yeah. Look, I mean, I think a lot of people come to sports to escape politics. And uh, I think certainly there are a lot of people out there who do not want to watch the NFL be engaged in aggressive political commentary. That's why I think guy like Jerry Jones makes sense when he says, hey, we just need to stand for the national anthem. You want to have an aggressive political philosophy. Players have never had more opportunity to do that outside of the time when they're in their uniform and when they're at their work. You've got millions of followers on Instagram and Twitter now. You can advocate for anything that you want. You've got millions of dollars. You can make it substantial difference outside of the three hours when your salary is effectively paid sean in fresno california what's up sean
11: hey how you doing clay
5: i'm living the Love dream the show. yeah thank you <laughs> now,
11: i'm still blown away by your first caller I, yeah I, I the height thing
5: bob you bob in pensacola yeah, i mean if he actually has the excel uh, spreadsheet email me my email email address is public clay at gmail.com yeah, I need to see that. Yeah. I mean, maybe the inches uh, do make a difference.
11: Yeah, I have a double-headed monster for you. Uh, it's the loyalty of the NFL. For years, they've asked us as fans to be loyal to them. And loyalty by, number one, they don't have the pulse of their fans, their customers. You know, it's a bad business. Uh, the national anthem, when, when you think of that, of course, you know, they're protesting towards police brutality. But 90% of people in this country, you don't consider first responders of the police for the national anthem. That's for the military. Their stripes are red for a reason. That's I'm a veteran. That's the blood that's been spilled by many, many young men and women that have gone, especially with all the campaigns that we have just finished. I mean, this is the longest war period we've had ever in our country. So almost yeah. every family across the United States is affected in some way or another. The other is the loyalty to the fans. You know, the, all these movements that are going on with teams. I am from San Diego originally, and I was a Chargers fan. I won't give Dean Spanos any more money. I won't give the NFL any more money. And that's because you ask us to be loyal, but then you don't show any loyalty back. You know, and I, I think overall, though, it would be the, the national anthem, you know. Yeah. We understand you want to protest, but I, I agree with you. It's We don't want to see that when we're trying to get away from that. That's what the NFL has been. And... You know, they escape from politics and from everyday life. You know, I mean, you could be poor, but you have something on Sunday to watch. You have something to cheer for. But yeah, the no. NFL has shown us their true
5: stripes. I appreciate the call. Good point. Thanks for the service. I, I do think that the St. Louis, the San Diego, and soon-to-be-the-Oakland communities certainly can be upset over losing their teams and that I would imagine a lot less people in St. Louis and in San Diego and soon to be in Oakland will watch. I I think that's probably true. Now, the NFL would probably respond with, hey, we went into L.A., which is the nation's second largest media market. That's going to be a net positive to us. Las Vegas and Oakland roughly equal. They'll probably say, look, a lot of the Raider fans will either follow and continue to watch their teams in Vegas or – they will shift and watch the 49ers more. Uh, And in terms of the larger community, I understand if you're a Raiders fan, you're like, I'll never watch the Niners. I hate them. But in terms of the larger casual viewer, which is probably what the NFL is focused on right now because they got their hardcores, that probably is the argument of what they would make as to why the ratings would not change substantially. I know a lot of people in L.A. I mean, I spent a lot of time in L.A. over the years. And Danny G and Justin have talked about this too. A lot of people in L.A. aren't that happy that suddenly you got the Chargers and you got the Rams, but you also miss the best football games now. So it used to be in L.A. for the last 15 years or whatever it is, you got the best games on Fox and on CBS. So you got to watch the best possible play. Now you got to watch the Chargers play. You got to watch the Rams play. They're not as good maybe as the national game would be. Let's go to who are we on to now? Uh, Jose and Fremont. Or did I just do Jose? Are we on to Jack? Yeah, and we got Jose. No, Let's we go got to Jack in Montana. Hello.
6: We got Jose in yeah. Fremont.
5: Ah, uh, okay. Jose in Fremont. What's, What's up, Jose? What's going on, fellas? You hear me? Yeah, we got you.
2: Hey, brother. Look, check this out. First of all, if you're a Raider fan and you go to the Niners, you was never a Raider fan to begin with.
11: So, <laughs> hey, go kick rocks.
2: Hey, check this out, man. I'm gonna keep it real. Hanging there with me, cause a couple things you have turned me on. I was already turned off by ESPN, but you have helped me like cut the cord with them at least. I'm telling you right now, I can't stand their politics. A lot of us use football and sports just as a therapy, man. We come home from work on a Thursday, it's almost Friday, and for example, and we just we just want to chill, have a beer and Amen. pizza, and yep. still work, you know. And we just want to just chill. But another thing, I, I is turning the fans off, and I'm part. I'm not saying that's why the Raiders are sorry. We're not, I'm not playing that ref card, but the bad calling is killing the game as well as the bad playing.
5: Yeah, look. Uh, first of all, I think Jose is 100 percent right. I think that your average NFL fan is like they and they want to not, not want to acknowledge it, but your average NFL fan is a guy who comes home after a long day at work or after a long weekend and wants to kick his feet up and wants to have a beer and have a piece of pizza or a full pizza and kick back and just. Veg out. This is the time football for most men, I believe, and a lot of women too, is an opportunity to escape the serious things in your life. And so the most average NFL fan out there does not give a damn about what the players think about politics at all. Regardless of whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever you are, you want to kick back, put your feet up, and for three hours just be entertained. In the same way, when you go watch a movie. Imagine if at the beginning of a movie, what whether you would be likely to go to a movie. This is an easy example. What's the most popular movie in America right now? Is it this new Saw movie? The new Saw movie, it'll, is that it'll right? Be,
6: it'll, be Thor, it'll be Thor after this weekend.
5: All right, so Thor's coming out. Imagine if before Thor started, right before they, they started the movie Thor, who's the star of Thor? What, what dude is Thor?
6: Chris Chris Hemsworth.
5: All right, Chris Hemsworth. Imagine if Chris Hemsworth came out and he took a knee and he said, I feel strongly about any political issue. Before we start this movie, I'm going to take a knee, and I want you to know about my political beliefs. You would think that was crazy. The movie company would be like, we're not putting Thor on his knee to tell us what he thinks about gay marriage or police brutality or Donald Trump's presidency. Now, outside of the time when he's performing on the movie, I think everybody out there will be like, okay, you know, like he's entitled to say whatever he wants. He wins an Oscar, he can get up and say whatever he wants. Happens every year. He can get on his Instagram account and he can put up a picture and be like, oh, the environment's being destroyed. I hate Donald Trump. People are like, okay, that's your personal life. But if you're going to see Thor, you don't want to see Thor before the movie starts taking a knee, telling you what he thinks personally about the political universe. You're like, dude, I just came to see a superhero. It's just like that with the NFL. People don't want to come and see their star athletes, modern-day gladiators, the Thors of sports, taking a knee and telling us what they think about politics. The reason why you go see Thor is to be entertained, to escape from your real life. Superhero movies are exactly that. They're an escape. If you went there and Spider-Man, right before Spider-Man starts, Spider-Man takes a knee... And he's like, hey, I'm going to pull my mask off now. I want you to see me. And guess what? We got to save the whales, bro. Be like, F that. I didn't come to hear Spider-Man tell me we got to save the whales. I came here to see Spider-Man kick some ass and entertain me and shoot some spider webs, catch some bad guys. I don't need to know what Spider-Man thinks about the whales. Just like you don't need to know what the players think about police brutality or Donald Trump or what their owner said. Entertain entertainers entertain and if you don't entertain as well people don't watch as much I think that's pretty simple Jack in Montana what's up Jack
1: how's it going I think you're exactly right about that I I,
5: I think it's just the protest is uh the
2: straw that broke the camel's back with me I'm tied I'm these entitled players they forget who makes them rich the fans yeah,
5: totally I think you're right. I think think there's no doubt that they have lost a connection between what pays their salary and what doesn't. Uh, You can go ahead and load up the lines. We'll take your calls to finish the show. Casey Smith is with us now. now. 877-996-6369. Casey, what's uh, what's shaking? What do you think about that? What do you think about my analogy that if you go out to watch a movie, you don't want Spider-Man right before Spider-Man starts to be like, hey, let's save the whales. Like You are just you just want to watch Spider-Man kick ass. And so we're trying to figure out the reason why this discussion is happening. It's, uh, Wall Street Journal has got a big article about NFL ratings declining, and we're trying to figure out why that is.
12: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I know that you know everybody's looking for one answer of what it potentially is, why people aren't watching the NFL. But I really think that it's a mixture of a lot of things, and yeah. then the politics just kind of pushed it over the edge. Because if I'm sitting down to watch a football game, regardless if it's the NFL or if it's college, whatever day of the week it is, I just want to watch sports. I want to sit, I want to drink, I want to eat, and I want to turn my mind off from the crappy things that are going on outside of sports. And I think that's what kind of pushed people over the edge. But I do think that bad quality has played into it. I think millennials not wanting to sit and watch every single game and the fact you can get it on your phone or you can get it on the red zone, I think all of that plays into it. But at the end of the day, politics just aren't supposed to mix with sports as much as they are right now, and I think people are sick of it.
5: You're in uh, the New England area right now, and the Patriots seem to have righted their ship at least a little bit. Can you tell a difference in perception? Is New England getting its swagger back?
12: I think so. I think that the biggest thing this week that happened was because they traded Jimmy Garoppolo away, and everybody assumed, well, that means Tom Brady's just not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, At one point this week, there was not a backup quarterback on the roster. So, obviously, that wasn't going to be the case going into an actual game after the bye week. But all that said to everybody around here and everybody who likes the Patriots is that, well, Tom Brady's as good as he's ever been at the age of 40. And that's going to help fans think, okay, this team is on the right path. Now, Brian Hoyer being the backup quarterback and watching guys like Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers go down doesn't give me the confidence that if Tom Brady gets hurt, uh, the Patriots are going to be able to go anywhere. But absolutely, I mean, it's Phil Belichick. It's the greatest quarterback of all time. I think people around here are very confident in that. And seeing Jimmy Garoppolo go away sparked a lot of conversation of just how long Tom Brady's going to be in a jersey in New England.
5: Is Jimmy Garoppolo, as my friend Pat Muldowney put on Twitter, the most attractive man to ever be traded?
12: <laughs> I mean, yes. It's In the New England Patriots football team, the most attractive team in professional sport, I mean, really, you could like go down and look at all of these guys and be like, oh my God, like. This is like GQ model up here in New England. But yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, like I saw a really funny tweet, like all the girls like sliding in his DMs in San Francisco. Like, you know, his social media (laughs) blew up once that trade happened. Absolutely no question.
5: There's no doubt at all. We're talking to Casey Smith. Follow her on Twitter at K-A-Y-C-E Smith. All right, I want to take you. You are a Dallas Cowboy fan. You grew up in the state of Texas, despite the fact that you live in Boston now. Do you follow this Ezekiel Elliott court case closely because I got to be honest even as a lawyer I've tuned out on it because there've been so many proceedings and so many movements uh so far are you aggressively following whether or not he's going to be able to play
12: No I can't anymore it's just become so back and forth like I get the alerts on my phone okay he's not playing then he is playing and it's just become a thing to me like the NFL wants to get domestic violence right or they say they do whether they do or not you know it's to be determined But to me, it's taking a domestic violence case and kind of making it a clown show. Like, you either do or don't have enough evidence to suspend him. Why are we going through this back and forth? And as a Dallas Cowboys fan, look, if he hurt her, if he hurt Tiffany Thompson, I don't believe that he should be playing in the NFL. I don't think anybody should. But if he didn't, and if there's not enough evidence, just get this over with. Like, I just don't understand why... You know, the NFL goes through this when court cases don't go this. You're a lawyer. This is ridiculous, right? They can't continue to handle stuff like this, whether it's the Flategate or something more serious like this. It's just making a mockery of what it's supposed to be doing.
5: Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, it has gotten so complicated that I can't even tell you where this case is procedurally right now, and I'm lost. And if I'm lost and I'm a lawyer – I can't even imagine what the average fan out there, like you said, getting alerts on their phone every other day about a different ruling. I can't even keep up with what status of the case we're in right now without going back in and reading probably for 30 minutes to remember all the different procedural steps that we've been through so far. All right, sticking in Texas, the A&M, your beloved Aggies, looked <laughs> awful against Mississippi State. This weekend they've got Auburn. Is this Kevin Sumlin's last stand?
12: Yeah. I mean, awful was putting it very nicely. Like they look like garbage and here's the thing every single year we talk about this uh, in the sec. And if you're an A&M fan, like the, if a and can't win out in October and November, then he's probably going to lose his job and somehow he's back the next year. But I don't think that they've won an sec West game at home since like Oct- early October of 2015, maybe. But I, I think that's right. Like if I look back, this is just one, if they get embarrassed, I think even at this point, if they start to lose, even just by a little bit, I, I just don't see how they can rehire him, Clay. I really don't. I know the SEC is, quote, down every year, but then again, you've got Georgia and Alabama. It's just, I don't know. Kevin Sumlin is a good coach. I do believe that, but AM's not going to stand for losing games in October, November like he's doing it. So I think it's to be seen, but it, last week was just so ugly, and I, I kind of flipped my opinion on him. I really thought this was going to be – his kind of come back here after what we saw, the turnaround with Kellen Maughan, but that was ugly. So I'm, I think that this might be the last time we see him for sure.
5: We're talking to Casey Smith, KYC Smith on Twitter. Gordon Hayward got injured early in the season, obviously, yet the Celtics have still played really well. Are they the best team in the East right now?
12: Right now, yes. And here's the thing, the, like they call them the green teamers up here, the big-time Celtics fans. Like, they're delusional anyways, and look, they're playing really well. It's only eight games into the season, and Kyrie Irving looks exactly the way he should, and the young guys are playing great, but we all know that when the playoffs come around, LeBron James is going to be LeBron James, and more than likely, they're going to be the best team. Now, the only thing that I can maybe say is that LeBron is checked out. He wants to go to L.A. or Houston or wherever. They're playing the best basketball right now, but I'm not ready to step up and say that they're, they're the best team in the East and will become the playoff time. Because, again, if you have LeBron, more than likely, you've got a straight ticket to the finals.
5: Outstanding, as always. Casey, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the life in Boston, and good luck to the Aggies this weekend against Auburn. All
12: right, thanks, so. babe.
5: Uh, that's Casey Smith. We'll talk to her next week. Final segment of the show, I'm going to give you your gambling picks so you can go 11-0, and and I'm going to tell you, uh, get these calls about uh, reacting as well. I'll get to all of that. Final segment of Outkick here on a great Friday in November. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Let me give you the picks. Going 11-0. I'll get to them quick, and then I'll get to your calls. Give me the music, boys.
8: Guess who's back? It's time.
3: A.K.A. Mr. It Rain on the For Clay Travis to make us rich. I'm rich. Including the legendary, famous, well-known talk of the town most celebrated.
11: I'd buy that
3: for a dollar. Blood.
5: Bank Guaranteed. We're going 11 and 0, boys and girls. Starting on starting on Friday night. FAU minus seven and a half tonight against Marshall. Take the Fighting Lane Kiffins. Memphis at Tulsa. Take Memphis minus 12. Ole Miss at Kentucky. The over 62, 63, wherever it is. Ohio State at Iowa. I love Iowa plus 18 in this game. Way too high. Western Kentucky, plus nine and a half at Vanderbilt. Texas, plus seven at TCU. I think Tom Herman finally gets a signature win after three straight tough losses against big-time top ten opponents. Lost by U- lost to USC by three in overtime. Oklahoma by five. Oklahoma State by three. South Carolina at Georgia. The Bulldogs and the over. And I'm on Virginia Tech to beat Miami and in their undefeated streak. And the blood bank guarantee, boys and girls, Mizzou is going to whip the crap out of Florida this weekend in Columbia. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the over 75. That is the gambling picks this week. Great email that just came in. Uh, I wanted to read this. I think it's good that I'm going to try to finish off with your calls. Be fast on the calls so I can get to as many of you as possible. Uh, Jeffrey writes, I can't speak for everyone except myself. Big reason why I purchased the NFL Sunday ticket four years ago was to watch storylines play out. Would Peyton Manning be able to come back from surgery and play at a high level without his head falling off? Would Tim Tebow summon the gods and pull out another unlikely win? Would RG3 make an unbelievable unbelievable play that I couldn't wait to see on SportsCenter? Would Johnny Manziel pull his wizardry and finish a touchdown run with a money sign? Today, what are the headlines? Are the Patriots still deflating balls? Will Judge Goodell suspend Zeke Elliott? Will players stand for the national anthem? Storylines have shifted from players, however good they were, at least they drew an audience and intrigue, to off-the-field semantics that NFL audiences have never cared about. I still have Sunday ticket primarily because my wife's Lions aren't on national TV, but I'm not watching as much on Sundays because I don't care to see Tyrod Taylor take on Josh McCown or any other irrelevant mess. I think that's pretty well said. I think there has been a shift from the storylines about the players what they're going to do on the field to what the players are going to do off the field. Let's go to Andre in Santa Cruz. What's up, Andre? Hello, how are you
1: doing this morning? Uh, Just calling in. Just wanted to say it was about framing the narrative. Uh, You look at the NBA, and there's more players that are looked at at in a positive light. On the NFL side, they do a terrible job marketing players because it's more about the money going back into college trying to get the cheapest player and replacing stars. You think about when Anquan Boldin played for Baltimore, you got rid of him next year for salary cap reasons. Why would you take a star away, and now the owners are paying the price? No one wants to go to a game and see players that nobody knows. So when Colin Kaepernick takes a knee, he's seeing it in a negative light because they haven't put him in a positive light. To make that message, to have the leadership to say, okay, let's put – uh, uh, police union chief in a room with top Ka- Kaepernick. With well, I, pre- Trump. I appreciate the and call, Andre. Out I, and I, I think
5: I think the smart thing is for the call. I think the smart thing to do would have been to not allow this to happen to begin with. And the NBA was really smart; they require all their players to stand for the national anthem. And I haven't heard anybody talking about the players re- being forced to stand for the national anthem as part of their collective bargaining agreement. The NFL should have had this in the collective bargaining agreement, Then they could have fined Colin Kaepernick, and everybody would have said, look, it's a rule. He signed up for it. I don't hear anybody criticizing the NBA for this rule. NBA's got a majority-minority league, even more so than the NFL does. Everybody stands for the national anthem. Will in Atlanta. What's up, Will?
11: Hey, what's up, dude? How are you? Excellent. Good. Um, Real quick, just wanted to say, I think that the snowball started – with the protests and all that crap and but I don't think that's the real deal I think that the real deal is is that the stars of the league excuse me the stars of the league are going down and going down quickly uh there's no doubt this year look you've
5: lost you've lost Aaron Rodgers Deshaun Watson Eric Berry uh Odell Beckham Jr. and uh and certainly J.J. Watt I don't think that's a a, uncertainty thanks for the call Will but the, the ratings started collapsing last year, all before those players were hurt this year. Let's go to Adam in Cincinnati. What's up, Adam?
2: Clay, two quick points for you today, buddy. Um, number one, I think part of the problem with the NFL ratings is Goodell, man. People are sick of Goodell and his power trips. He seems to hold personal grudges against people. He just throws out random punishments from time to time. So there's no consistency there. I think people are sick of Goodell. And number two, shout out to the West Claremont Wolves making the Ohio State playoffs in their first ever season as a school man thanks have a great
5: day shout out indeed um all right like uh, good show most crazy call we've had in a long time Bob do you think Bob was really serious Bob if you missed him earlier said that he believed that the quality of the NFL play was declining because the average player was one and a half inches shorter in the past five years
6: Running backs, that's actually true. I did find that. I was looking for a bunch of graphs and stuff, and I found a bunch on other sports, but not football average from, like, the 40s to now. But running backs have shrunk by around that exact number, so that might be what it is that he's referring to and applying to the whole league. I don't know if he was – I thought it was a joke at first, too. It absolutely blew my mind, but he made the point exactly the same way when he was on the air and when he I made him mention it to me twice so that I heard it correctly and he didn't crack a smile or crack a joke so if it was a fake call it was better than most sure sounded like one though because that's the most insane thing I've ever it's, heard
5: it's a unique theory I got to give Bob and Pensacola credit I mean nobody has ever pointed out that the television ratings are down and that it has coincided with the average NFL player according to Bob's spreadsheets becoming shorter so what if there was a correlation what if taller guys play football better and the NFL's just missed that correlation forever Oh, man, what an unbelievable week. Thank you guys for supporting OutKick. We'll be back on Monday breaking down all the action. Get rich with the picks here on OutKick. Oh, oh, oh,
2: O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart the Professional Parts People.
3: Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.